This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insight on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Spring Conversations. to all the guidance and direction you need. It is inside of you right now. You may want to access it, but really don't know how. That is what this book is about. It can help you remove obstacles in your way so the wisdom of your heart can be called upon. Awareness of and working with your obstacles allows you to be able to discern their impact and make new choices. By doing so, you can gain access to your heart's wisdom and the wisdom of your soul. Your heart's wisdom is profound and can speak volumes when sought and accessed through the methods outlined in this book. The tools outlined are ones that have really helped me in my life and also may help you in yours. By taking many small steps, it is possible to make big changes in your life. They may occur over a long period of time, or there may be a series of small changes all happening at once. Whatever that is for you, know that it is okay and that it is your individual journey to take. There are no rules, writes Della Reside. Valeria interviews Della Reside, the author of The Sweetest Thing, Everyday Exercises to Easily Access the Wisdom of Your Heart. Della is also a chakra educator and the founder of Cellular Consciousness Healing, which is a method of releasing trauma, past experiences, and emotions stuck in the body without having to re-experience them on a cognitive level. Her work helps people release what has been holding them back while allowing them to shift their mindset, increase self-awareness, and move forward in life. She coined the term cellular consciousness in 2010 as the culmination of a career spanning over three decades in the medical field shifted towards alternative medicine. Della's diverse background includes a BMLT with a degree in microbiology, certification as a Brennan integration practitioner, and as a holistic health coach. Her training, personality and authentic wisdom allow her to easily weave the intricacies of science and healing into her online programs and private sessions. Here is the interview with Della Reside. In your own words, who is Della Reside? I wear a lot of labels, I guess, um, you know, from society. I, I'm an author, an educator, a healer, a professional, a wife, mother, you know, uh, intuitive. But underneath all of that, I am just a 
person who wants to be happy, uh, peaceful, um, and have love in their life. And I really, my uh, goal is to uh, help others find that place within them as well. And not to let go of the labels, but to place less importance on the labels and more importance on themselves. So that's who I am. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, The Sweetest Thing, Everyday Exercises to Easily Access the Wisdom of Your Heart, I have a few warm-up questions. So the first one is, what is life to you, Dallin? Life is vitality and opportunities and, you know, doing things that that's that's what life is to me is is living basically to your capacity right what do you think is the opposite of life in a philosophical way i would say fear resistance um fear of moving forward and and living that life would be the opposite. And yeah, I would say fear and, and repression and holding back is the opposite of life. Yeah, that resonates. What is the meaning of freedom to you? Freedom to me is I love to travel. But freedom to me is to be able to do what I want, when I want, uh, with whoever I want, that feels right for me. That's true freedom, is to be able to do things that feel right to me and not have to do things that other people impose on me or I feel like I have to do. That, that would be a true freedom to me. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? Well, <laughs> so the <laughs> well, let me think on that. I would say the world's greatest need is self-awareness and self-responsibility, and that if everybody were to look inside of themselves and start there instead of pointing the fingers out at other people, I think it would be a totally different, a different place, I guess. Right. I agree. Yeah. Judgments and yeah. Yes, exactly. And be more, uh, more open to learning about themselves and changing their behaviors. And if everybody did that, the world would be a lot nicer place. So true. Yes, so, so true. And um, I have a few more warm-up questions, perhaps three more. Uh, the next one's about love. What is love to you? <sighs> well, love goes closely with freedom. Love to me is more, I guess, centered on connection to myself and to other people, but also connection to nature and animals and it's, it's that greater, yeah, that greater sense of love and knowing that we're not alone. Yeah, yes. Where, what, and who is God to you? God, well, God to me is different than religion, the word, right? The word God is different than religion. And God to me is a 
higher consciousness, like a divine, a consciousness that we are all part of and that lives inside of each one of us that we can, uh, you know, tap into anytime we want or neglect anytime we want. So to me, that's more, God is more spiritual in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you see a difference between spirituality and religion in a way. Yes, definitely. Yes, because everybody who's religious believes in God in their own way. And there's no right and wrong. It's more that that connect, connecting to this higher consciousness. This There's more than just us. And it's the ability to recognize that that I believe brings out the God in us. Yeah. In my last warm-up question, um, what do you think is the purpose of life, the purpose of the experience in the human body? I would, well, I would say the, the purpose is the experience. It's learning, it's, it's changing, it's being able to adapt. And I think sometimes people I work with they get very caught up in the fact that they need one defined purpose in their life. But I think the overall purpose is to be happy and do things that make you happy and keep you happy, like on a true, true level. I think that's the purpose of life is to experience it and, and get the most out of it we can. Wow, I love that, Dylan. Thank you. It made me think about this idea of giving ourselves to life unconditionally. Yes. That's really beautiful. Yeah. How did you become a writer? Well, <laughs> I, uh, I wrote um, my book, The Sweetest Thing, after my parents passed away 19 days apart. And I had to find ways to help myself. And what I did at that time is I started reading a lot and trying things and practicing. And, and some of the things I did resonated and some didn't, but I tried them anyway. And over time, I realized I felt lost, right? I didn't know which way to turn. Um, they left a big hole in my life. I had two little kids to raise at the time. So I needed to find myself again and get back on my feet. And when I did, I realized that there's a lot of other people out there who feel like I felt this sense of disconnection from themselves and feeling lost and not knowing who they are and what they wanted. So then I compiled the X, like I, I went back and I thought about, okay, what were all the things I did to find myself again? And I compiled them basically, and that's what constitutes my book is all these exercises and some are written, some are verbal, some are just thinking exercises, but it's all these ways that I used to get myself back on my feet again. Yeah. So that's, that's how I, yeah, that's the basis of how I wrote it. Um, why did you decide to shift from conventional medical field towards alternative medicine? Well, it was it was a gradual shift. Right. <laughs> I, I worked um, for 25 years in uh, the medical profession. And about my last, let's say, five years there, 
I, and it happened again after my mom and dad passed away. It was like, I knew there was something more to life. And um, as I was doing my exercises and stuff, I started discovering more of myself and more of the alternative uh, healing methods. And I got into that gradually during that time. And then I kind of, let's say, grew out of my professional job and more into alternative medicine, even though I'm very much, uh, very much believe in both. It was just a time in my life that I, I moved on. Right, right. Those are new discoveries, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was going through different things. And um, yeah, it was good while I was there. But you know, yeah, I'm at a different point in my life now. Yeah, that's interesting how it evolves everything. It's always evolving, even the process of healing, right, Della? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so my first official question about your work is, um, what is the heart's wisdom? The Well, the heart's wisdom is something we can all tap into that is kind of like our internal compass. And when we feel lost in life, we've kind of lost our sense of direction and who we are. And when we can tap back into our heart's wisdom or even our bodies and listen to what's going on and what we really need at a deep level, then life just becomes easier. So it's being able to listen to this wisdom that's within that we all have. Right. Uh, would you call it also intuition? I believe you use your intuition to tap into it. Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So it's even beyond. Uh, it's not intuition itself. It's um, the method of intuition. Exactly. You use the method of intuition to tap into this deeper sense of knowing that is within you. Right. Yes. So in your book, I read some words, like you mentioned the mind, the spirit, the heart and soul. And you also as a method, you have um, the word you use the word consciousness. So I'm wondering what the difference is between the mind, spirit, heart, soul and consciousness. Oh, wow. That's a big, <laughs> that's a big question. That's a big, right. <laughs> so <And Clark>. <laughs> from I guess, and this is obviously just my perspective. So consciousness and the soul to me are kind of the same, same thing, let's say. It's tapping into this bigger sense of who we are. And the mind, as I mean the brain, I use it as a tool to help me go deeper and tap into my heart's wisdom and when I listen to my heart's wisdom, then it's like I can expand further into the level of consciousness and the soul. So it's almost like I use my mind to get me to the to my heart's wisdom. And then I use my heart's wisdom to get me to start going deeper. So it's like steps. Right. Uh, so the spirit, the soul and, and consciousness, they are all one in a way. Uh, the way I see it, I mean, you could probably split hairs uh, <laughs> defining yeah. them, but I, I try not, I try not to get into definitions. And if 
more the way that it feels to me. I guess that's a better way to express it. So when I'm at that level, um, they feel the same to me. I guess that's, yeah, that's why I said that. Right. So going back to the heart's wisdom and um, to understand more what that is, why do you think so many of us live outside of the heart's wisdom? Um, I think it's just the way we live our lives. We're busy. Uh, a lot of us are very mentally focused. Um, so we spend a lot of time in our head as opposed to feeling what's going on in our body. Um, electronics uh, contribute to that. And I use them as much as anyone, but there's a time to put them down and connect to your body again. So I think all of that stress is a big one. Um, lack of exercise, our diets, uh, I think they all contribute to this disconnection from our heart's wisdom. Yeah. Uh, so ultimately, lack of health, right? Or um... Yeah, yeah. And um, my next question is about the signs. Um, what are the signs? So how do we know when we are being finally guided by the heart's wisdom? I find I can feel a warm sensation in my chest. Literally the sweet, and that's why my book is called The Sweetest Thing. It's this sweet spot that you it feels right. It feels good. And when you can learn to pay attention to when things feel right and feel good, then you're tapping into it. So it may feel different for everyone, but that's just how I perceive it. It's actually almost a physical sensation I get in my chest. Right. I like the way you describe that, the sensation exactly in that specific area of the chest, because that's important to understand that it's not just pleasure, because that we can feel good and we can feel with the body, but it could be coming from temporary pleasure or something else. So do you feel this often? Because I don't feel the um, the heart's energy and that warmth. I do feel that sometimes, but in the presence of some people in some situations, but not, not too often, though. Uh, no, I would say I don't feel it all the time. But even I have to, I use that as a gauge for, like you said, some people you can feel it right away. And some you can't, but just because you can't doesn't mean that that relationship or that connection is not good because there is no good or bad. What I use it for is honestly, when I'm trying to make decisions and I don't know which way I'm going to go, sit with it. And I really tune into that. And I kind of give myself both options. And I literally feel which one I get that sensation for. So I use it, I use it in that way in my everyday life, just more kind of my guiding source. It's like, okay, should I go this direction or this direction? And I feel into it. And that's how I use my wisdom. And that's amazing how much wisdom the body holds, right, Della? Wow. Oh, 
It does. It does. And we just have to listen to it. Yeah, it's so true. I love the way you say that, listening to the messages of the body, right? Yes. Yes. So talk to me about the uh, cellular consciousness healing method. Well, that's what I that's what I named it because as I um, as I wrote my book and was feeling into this and tuning into my own body, what I realized is that the deeper I went, the more I could access this level of pure consciousness. And when I was there, of course, I first did it on myself, and then now, of course, I work with clients, but. What I find is that we hold emotions, traumas, experiences in our physical bodies, in our cells, and we also hold these in our chakras. And it depends which organ or where in our body we're holding it or which chakra we're holding it in. It depends how our life is affected. That is so fascinating. There are so many methods to do that. How do you teach somebody who is new at this the very first steps to release those trapped emotions and energies? The way I teach people is I get them, uh, first they have to get very still. And then what we do is almost like a guided journey, let's say, into the body. So it depends where their area of concern is. I usually get them to put their hand on that area and then I guide them. Uh, I basically guide them deeper and deeper and I teach them how to start listening. And I use the word listening uh, loosely because it's more, when I say listening, I mean perceiving with all of the senses. Okay. So then I teach them how to listen to what's going on in there. And what I find is that we don't have to do anything to get it to release. Just giving it our attention shifts the energy and helps it change and release in there. Wow. And that takes, like you said, a silence quieting the mind, right? Yes, quieting the mind and getting still and going within. Yes. So the first step would be meditation or breathing techniques or? Well, when I teach it, I do uh, a guided meditation. So I take them into, uh, and I call it a guided journey because it's really not a meditation, but I take them on a journey into their body. Yes. Oh, wow. And then once, yeah, and then once people learn how to do it, then they can do it on their own, of course, without me guiding them. But yeah, that's how I teach them to do it. In your book, you talk about synchronicity. That's a very interesting subject. So talk to me about the importance of synchronicity. And um, if you can give me some examples of that, it would be great too. Well, synchronicity, I think, is is, uh, my book. I set it up into distinct parts. So someone could pick it up um, from the beginning, read it from beginning to end. And what I do is the first part of the book is I get people to start paying attention or closer attention to things around them. 
And one of the things I believe in that section is the synchronicity. And then, at which I'll come back to. And then the next section is um, when they start noticing things around them, I start to get them to go kind of pay attention to what's going on inside of themselves. And then from there, they go into the heart's wisdom. So it's like first they have to learn awareness and then self-awareness and then go deeper. So back to synchronicity, that's part of when you start paying attention to what is going on around you, you're living more in the present moment. So many of us are so busy that we are worrying about what we're going to make for supper, you know, what we're going to do tonight, what we're, where we're going on vacation, all of that stuff, that we're, we're hardly ever present in this moment. So when you start to learn, notice synchronicities, you start to pay attention to what's going on around you right now. So that's why synchronicity is important. And and the more you notice it, it's almost like the more things show up for you. Mm. Wow, I really love that idea. That sounds a bit mystical. A lot has been said about signs and numbers, especially when you see it comes up all the time. So it's almost like spirits are trying to communicate with them. And they become afraid of those signs. Yeah. I think it's I think it's the fear of the unknown, right? People are always afraid of things they don't understand. And it's hard to understand something like that, right? It's more of a matter of trust rather than understanding. So yeah. I love that, Della. Trust, right. Um, so speaking of trust, makes me think about self-love and the practices of self-love. Which practices connected to self-love have you practiced and which ones do you find to be more effective? Oh, <laughs> well, I've, I've tried a lot. The ones I find most effective, I would say meditation helps me find self-love. When I take care of myself um, and get some exercise, I'm not that great at it, but I do try. When I eat well, those kind of things really help me. Journaling, that's another big one. I write out my dreams every morning and I have for several years. I write down the numbers and I think I'm over 2,600 already. Like I it's just a thing I do. But I find that really helps me. I don't know, it sets my day off on a good note. It's like I take those five minutes and I do it right in the morning. And that really helps me set my frame of mind for the day. What a wonderful practice, um, journaling and writing. It's so interesting. I ask this question often, what makes writing so healing? You know, it's it's funny, but it's like you can get into, and I'm sure it's the same with artists who paint or dancers or anybody who can tune into that. And I think writing is a form like that. It's a creative pursuit. And I think anytime you can really just allow yourself to do it, 
I think that's why it's so fulfilling is, yeah, especially if you're not trying to create content for a purpose. If you just allow yourself to free write and journal. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense because now you create more of this space to explore the unknown. Yes, and and it's almost like you can let out um, the thoughts that are running through your head and it's almost like you can clear your own head by doing it just letting it flow out onto the page you know just yeah right right and I find I find actually like handwriting is more effective than write like on a computer however the the more I do it I find the computer is working well but at first I found it was the handwriting and I still handwrite out uh, in my journal and my dreams every day I handwrite it I've got many 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 volumes <laughs> that's amazing and in speaking of dreams yeah I have a question for you two questions in a book you talk about the methods you mentioned writing our dreams uh, that's a very good way and then you also talk about creating a dream board and dreamscape yes. uh, which has to do with imagination and then um, this is a question that I often ask my guests to the healing synchronicity like you talked earlier has a lot to do with being in the moment in the present so how do we balance being here now and at the same time imagining daydreaming let's say well i think when you take the time to be fully present in the moment um it's almost like you can create space for imagining and especially when you like even if you're having a conversation with someone and you pay like full attention to it and you're not distracted by your phone or anything I think just by doing that then when you walk away from that interaction it's like you've almost like freed up some space for imagination but I also believe like time alone or time spent meditating or connecting with nature can help um, ignite that imagination as well so imagination is different from thinking? I yes. Think well in my mind, thinking to me is more like logical based whereas imagination is going into being open to whatever pops into your head. Mm. Yeah. And if you're if you're thinking, it's almost like there's no room for that to happen. Oh, wow. That limits. Yeah. There's a limitation to thinking, right? Yeah, that's a very good word. It limits your ability to imagine things if you're thinking too hard. Whereas if you, yeah, if you just allow yourself the space to to do it, then it, yeah, then it comes to you. That uh, goes back to that idea of giving ourselves to life, just being, enjoying the experience rather than thinking the experience (laughs) or trying to control everything. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, True. And another question I have for you, you mentioned the heart's energetic field, and you also said that 
there are some ways we can prevent depletion. How can we prevent that from happening? Well, our energetic field is basically uh, our aura or this energetic body that surrounds us. And when we allow it to be depleted, we physically end up suffering. So what I, I mean, there's uh, like exercises you can do to visualize, you know, your energetic body being fully charged or full of white light or silver light or gold light. I also believe that what we eat, what we drink, our uh, state of mind, our uh, exercise, all contribute to this energetic field. So it's kind of like we can think it and visualize it into being, but we also have to support that on a on a physical level every day. Right. I like that. And then a question came to mind about alcohol. Is it something that it doesn't help with the heart's um, energetic field or it doesn't really matter? Well, I would say, I, I mean, we're probably talking amounts, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd say so. You know, the average person who's like moderate consumption of alcohol, low to moderate, um, I don't think it's... Like, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, What I find with alcohol is that um, I notice in people's field, their brow chakra um, tends to get congested um, after consumption of alcohol, but then it clears out. So it's, uh, I think it's just being aware and yeah, being aware of it. But no, I don't think it's a bad thing if you're trying to do this kind of work. Um, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get in the way yeah, necessarily. No, I mean, I mean, if you drank to excess, then yes, it probably would. But I guarantee anybody who drinks to ac- excess wouldn't be into doing this kind of work. So, you know, um. Yeah, because alcohol or any drugs for that sake has to do with numbing, right? The sensations, emotions, right? Exactly. And I find the same effect with drugs in the the system as I see them in the energetic field, um, more in front of actually the heart areas where I see uh, drugs show up, whereas alcohol I seem to see kind of up in front of the brow chakra. Oh, wow. And you're able to see it, actually. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it's a very interesting skill to to have. And another question is about the heart chakra. How is it connected to the heart's wisdom? Well, the way I, I feel, the heart is all about feeling, love, relationships, is that you tap into the heart chakra so your heart chakra has to be open in order to tap into the heart's wisdom Mm, and how do we do that Dylan? well those are all the exercises that's those are all the ways that i've been talking about is that the self-care is a big one but then to gain the awareness like I said, the first part of my book is noticing these synchronicities and stuff. And then the second part is really about feeling 
this in your body. So when I say in my book, when I talk about it in the body is in the heart. So I kind of guide them into how to do that. So basically everything's connected and sound very much like common sense, just self-love and healthy practices with self-awareness and presence. Yes, yes. And if people, and, and there are probably people out there who do take care of themselves and do all the, the, the things that they should be doing and still feel disconnected but my advice to them would be to start paying attention like to like to your heart how that feels yeah you know that's so true because I feel everything in my heart and that's true for everyone right Della yes it is true for everyone yes yeah I believe so yeah. So um, my last question related to your work is about the obstacles to accessing the heart's wisdom. And I think we have been talking about them too, like judgment, we kind of mentioned earlier briefly. But then talk to me a bit more about fear and guilt, stress, anxiety. Well, I think the the stress and anxiety, they usually when we're in that kind of state, we're probably too tired, uh, too stressed um, to even try and connect with ourselves in that way, right? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Self-judgment is a big one. Um, you know, ego um, expectations put on us by other people that we take on, they can prevent us from even trying to do this or not believing in it when we do feel it like we we may feel it but then we dismiss it right so i think there's all these ways that we almost sabotage ourselves that we have to uh get past in order to do this and and one of the things is trust. And I spoke to that earlier. It's like you have to trust what you're feeling. If you meet someone and you're, I call them my spidey senses. Mm-hmm. You know, if you meet someone and your spidey senses are telling you to stay away or run the other direction, you're probably better off trusting that because you may not understand it or know why, but your body, your heart knows there's something that isn't resonating with you. It doesn't mean it's dangerous. It's just not resonating with you or where you need to be. Right. And that takes wisdom itself, this uh, ability to to say no when we have to. I'm not trying to please everyone. (laughs) Yes. 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 And that's difficult, right? Yeah, it seems like more challenging for women then I'm not sure but would you say that's more challenging for us I would think yeah I would think so and a lot of it is maybe expectations and and I wouldn't say it's maybe so much anymore because the dynamic is changing but I would say that it used to be the expectations that women were the caretakers and caregivers and we've all realized that, I mean, that is, that can be true, but it isn't necessarily true. Men are just as capable and they also 
do it and can do it. So I think the this, the stereotypes are changing around that because some men may find that they're like that too. You know, they give too much of themselves and they, you know, can't say no and stuff. So I don't think it's really uh, associated with male or female. It's a human, yeah, and we're all humans going through a human human experience. Yeah, it's more like a human thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> so would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book before I ask you my final questions? Um, I don't have my book in front of me, I have to confess. But I, yeah, I would just tell anyone who... Um, wanted to try and work through it, that they can do it. I mean, if I could do it when I was lost um, way back when, you know what? They should give themselves a chance because you anybody can do it. Anybody can start to listen to their heart and pay attention. Mm, how beautiful. Thank you so much, Tala, for your work and your presence. Thank you. So my final questions, they are somewhat unrelated to the subject, but you can always bring it back because <laughs> that's a wonderful subject anyway. Um, how do you define success? What is to be successful? Success is happiness. To me, if you or if I am happy, um, content, doing what I love to do, um, it's not about money. Um, it's not about uh, status. Success is what you feel inside. Mm, love that. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I would. The hardest lesson is that it's not about me because I would take things so personally, and this was ever since I was a child that I always felt like I did something wrong or I said something wrong or, and my biggest lesson has been that it's not about me. People are busy doing their own thing, having their own lives and they're not always thinking about me. So it was uh, a bit humbling to realize that, um, no, they're just going on their way, doing their own thing. And that's not about me. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a big lesson for all of us, I would say. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Realizing that, right? I was just going to say, and some days I'm still, some days I still struggle with it. It's it's an ongoing lesson. Yeah, it is, Della. Absolutely. As is um, unconditional self-love, right? Or unconditional love in general. Yes, right? yes. And my other question is, what is another word for healing? That's a tough one. Another word for healing. I, I don't know if I can say it in one word, but another word for healing would be like finding yourself, like finding that contentment within you and that looks different for everyone he healing doesn't mean cure right? right healing means that you can find that place within yourself where you're okay yeah yes it made me think about peace or inner peace right? yeah yeah inner peace that's a good that's a that's a 
one word. <laughs> yeah. I have two, three more questions, I guess. Um, if you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I would not be as worried about uh, trying new things. I'm usually very cautious, so I would let go of that fear. I would, and I spend a fair amount of time with my family, but I would spend more time with my family um, and do the things, do things that I've always wanted to do that I've never had the courage or opportunities to do. I think I would make myself do them. <laughs> I like that. That's uh, an interesting question to reflect upon because we never know, right, when it will happen. No, we don't. Do you believe in life after death? Uh, I do. I believe in past lives uh, and life after death. Yes. And um, my last question, I have another one that's a technical question. Uh, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Well, it goes very quickly. Time passes very quickly. And the older, older I get, the more I realize that. I would say that nothing stays the same. Everything changes and you make it easier on yourself when you realize that instead of trying to hold on to what was. And I'd say love. Love is love is what you take with you when you go. You know, love is important. Yes, 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 a thousand times, Stella. Yes. Thank you so much for your presence and your wisdom. It has been a meaningful conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? People can check me out online. It's DellaReside.com. Um, my website, uh, I've got lots of blogs on there, my products. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, Della Reside, and Instagram, Della.Reside. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Della, and we'll talk soon. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Della Reside, please visit her website, DellaReside.com To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. Mm -hmm.